Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. We invite you to join us today as we reflect on transitions and how trusting God can help believers navigate the ever-changing dynamics that we may face in our world today. Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Jason Cargo. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. Emily, so good. This is our last episode that we get to do. And and um, together, I pray that St. Joseph Workshop will continue and everything. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But right now, as everyone knows, I'm moving on to St. Mark's Catholic Church and uh, been in a transition, a whirlwind of a transition. And like many other people, one of the things I have to do is pack up my stuff. So <laughs> like a lot of my things are out, already out of my office and I'm already packing up. And I'm like, so glad I got rid of half of my stuff like uh, six months ago. It seems like whenever, Emily, I, I do this great giveaway, uh, six months later, then the Lord calls me away. So I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to do a great giveaway anymore because every time I've done it, uh, that's what happened. But um, so you've moved in the last two years, right? Oh, yes. Uh, what What's some of the challenges of, of moving? Oh, it's so daunting. I mean, I think anyone who has ever moved realize how easy it is to just collect and um, acquire stuff. <laughs> so, so what's your like criteria? Like, how did you determine, okay, I need to bring this or I don't need to bring that? Yeah, if anything was broken, <laughs> we tried to get rid of it, which, you know. That's a good rule. Yeah. Well, when you have children. If it doesn't function anymore, forget it. You know, when you have children, even toys, you know, the battery runs out. You could easily replace a battery, but for some reason, things just sit you know, for months without being touched or played with, or, you know, you have something that you think, oh, we can easily fix that. And you just kind of put it to the side, but yeah, so it's so crazy how quickly stuff accumulates. And even the paper, I had boxes and boxes of mail, um, junk mail, you know, like I just didn't have the time to go through. Yes. <laughs> Sadly. Um, but That's my yeah. office right now. Yeah. So I'm going yeah like, what do you that. really need? You know, most stuff is digital. Um, Oh, it's, it's so very difficult to go through all that stuff. And, you know, one of the things I, I have a couple things that I have to kind of go through, which is more difficult, you know? So one, one is like books, like I already downsized half my books, but I'm sitting there. Okay. What books do I keep? What books I don't, I remember reading this book five years ago and it was great then, but do I need it now? You know, mm -hmm. maybe I might use it in the future. There's a nugget in there that I could use, you know, anyway, that's, that's kind of in my mind, like, okay, books, what do I do? And the other is like sentimental things. Yeah. So I found um, a whole bunch of cards that I, I received from the parish when I had my heart surgery. And I was like, do I keep those? <laughs> do I not keep them? You know? So, uh, the, or, you know, little knickknacks like uh, crosses and things. What, what are those? Do I keep? What am I not? You know, as I, because I don't even know what I'm going to inherit yet over at uh, St. Mark. So I don't know what my room is going to look like. I don't, how much room do I have? You know, so. Yep. Transition is hard. And that's something we're definitely going to jump in today. Um, all of the unknowns. Although I will say we did do an episode on simplifying. <laughs> so maybe go back through there and that might help with some of the decisions. But yes, it's it's never easy not knowing what you're getting yourself into and even clinging to things. Um, you know, is it something that's going to be joyful and uplifting? Will you actually look at it, reread it or appreciate it? Or is it just going to collect dust in yes, the corner? Exactly. So, um, yeah, transitions uh, is a good topic right now, yes. <laughs> I think, for sure, for me. Uh, it's been a whirlwind. And, you know, I know we talked about transitions, and maybe I'll, I'll listen to our podcast about transitions. <laughs> and I know we uh, talked about simplification, so that'd be another good one to kind of listen to. Last week's was on offering it up, so <laughs> that was a great one. Actually, truth be told, uh, the, the one from the offering it up, the last one, uh, I had found out immediately prior to that session, a recording with Eric and Ogis, wow. immediately prior, like 30 minutes before, I, I was actually late to meeting with them because I was getting the message that I was leaving St. Joseph. So they said, man, Father Jason, you were like wigged out. And if you, if you listen to that episode, I was a mess. I was all over the place, but <laughs> it was fun. You know, that's interesting. I guess I thought you had known before and that's why you chose the topic, but to have been able to prepare the topic 
ahead of time, <laughs> mentally, intellectually, and then all of a sudden have it thrown to you. <laughs> then I was living it out. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I was offering it up for sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, this topic, you know, we thought that this is something that would be very good to, to be able to revisit because it's something that for all of us throughout our life, we're going to face transitions. And, you know, as Father Jason um, handles a transition on his own end, personally, what does it mean to leave one parish community and go to the other? You know, those who are left behind are also going through our, our own transitions, whether you're a parishioner or staff member, you know, the fear of the unknown. Um, and so we just thought, you know, we should talk about this because especially right now at this time, um, it's a natural cyclical time that change is happening for people. You know, school has ended. And so for many, we've had these milestone celebrations, whether it's graduation from kindergarten or graduating from elementary onto middle school or middle school to high school or onto college or beyond. I mean, there's just change that's happening. Um, statistically, I think most people move during this time because it's a good stopping point and yes. so that they can move. So a lot of people are, are changing homes and locations. And so probably many of you out there are dealing with your very own transition of some sort. So we thought, you know, let's tackle this again and together we can kind of explore. <laughs> yes. I think it's a, per, it's a perfect last episode for the two of us together because of our own experiences, but it's, and it will be very helpful for our community and anyone else who's listening because transition is a constant in our life. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, whether it's like you said, letting go of our, um, 18 year old to go off to college or moving on to another, uh, an another school. Right. And so for those of you who are faithful listeners and maybe caught our podcast last year, one of the things that we did talk about was transition theory. And so this focuses on the fact that when you have transition, it's not just that something new is coming, that there are actual different phases. And so I'm just going to do a quick recap of that. Um, so basically with any transition, there is an ending. So uh, I think, you know, last time we talked about, even for those who are getting married, you know, your ending your life as a single person, um, or for those who are having a child for the first time, you're ending your experience of being, you know, a single or, you know, a couple together without children. So, um, whether we think about it, not naturally, there is an ending. And so during endings, this is where you're experiencing the range of emotions. So grief, sadness, anger, denial. Um, and so for all of us, when we first heard father Jason's news, we were probably <laughs> definitely in that experience of just shock and dealing with those rough emotions that come with it. Oh yes. And you know, that's one of the hardest things I got to tell you as a priest, when I when I find out that, and then I'm asked to, in obedience not to share it with anyone for a couple of days, it's so hard to carry the weight of that because mm -hmm. not only am I grieving, but I also know that what the word that I'm about to bear is going to cause so much hurt and pain, right? Uh, to the, my spiritual children that I've sought to love. And, and that is that weight of bearing that, um, it's hard. And then, and then, you know, knowing that it's, the reactions are going to be, you know, at, when I, when I spoke it at the 5 PM mass and people heard it for the first time, you know, there, there was some, um, a, a vis or an audible, uh, uh, gasp and people saying no. And then someone said, that's it. We're going to stage a rebellion or something. <laughs> like that. Like, and the second one was like, yeah, let's do that. I was like, wait, no, no, we can't do that. But you know, that's, that's just part of like the shock, right? Mm -hmm. For me, uh, you know, that, that weekend, um, which was only last, I guess, two weekends ago, I, I, I spent the, the evening at our overnight adoration and it was like me going into the garden of Gethsemane. I thought of Jesus and when Jesus said, you know, father, let this cup pass me by, but not your will, but my will be done. I, I couldn't help but think, you know, he didn't, he knew that what he was about to do was going to create suffering and pain in his life. And, and, but he knew it was necessary. He knew it was the Lord's will and he, but his humanity didn't want to go there. And so I was in that place in the chapel, um, just not wanting to, uh, go to the, to the place which, where I was being called, which was to announce, um, this message that I would be going to St. Mark and, and that, that was, that was a, a moment of anguish and pain, you know, and, and it's part of that whole grieving process. You know, we have to enter that. And a lot of people run away from that, Emily. So, you know, you think of, uh, I know people that heard the news and immediately left. They, they like, I can't, 
or they didn't come to church when they heard it because they're like, I can't bear to face this, right? Mm-hmm. And and they went to other places or they, but you know, to end well, we have to enter that place of grief. We have to go to the cross. Yeah, and it's so hard. You know, some of the examples that I gave earlier were joyful changes, but yes. you know, there are many people who have transitions and changes thrust upon them um, that are just so horrifying, you know, whether it's hearing the news of um, health, you know, being taken from them, hearing the news that they have cancer or a loved Mm -hmm. one dying or passing away a relationship ending, you know, for many, these are things that they don't choose It's thrust upon them. Yes, yes. And so truly getting into that experience of just the anguish and the dealing with it, um, you know, it's hard, it's heartbreaking. I'm sure all of us has a moment that we can remember vividly that we've dealt with that. Um, And unfortunately for many of us, more will come. Yes. You know, I, I think a part of the, the ending, Emily, whether it is um, entering in that place of the cross or whether it is a more joyful celebration of someone like a retirement or something like that, um, there needs to be that um, closure, right? There needs some some closing. Like, for instance, we're going to have here in a, a few weeks a, a kind of a goodbye celebration for me at the at the parish. And that's necessary for me and necessary for the spiritual children here um, for the uh, the parishioners, our staff is going to have a, a, a goodbye luncheon. That's necessary for the staff uh, so that we can have a good ending, mm-hmm. right? Because we can't open ourselves. The ending's happening in, in life. You know, the retirement happens. The moving off to college happens. But there needs to be something that s- celebrates that that transition so that the um, there's closure. Right. And so the next the piece of this whole transition theory after the ending and all the emotions that you're dealt with, you kind of enter into the neutral zone. So this is basically saying that, you know, maybe you've cried all the tears, you know, you're not, you can't cry anymore. Maybe the anger has passed, but all of a sudden you're just in this, in this experience of feeling nothingness or feeling blah, you know, not really wanting to move on, not necessarily excited about the future. Um, you know, just this sense of where to now. So I don't know if, you know, you're, you, this is relatively new. I don't know how quickly, you know, this could last months for people, or maybe it could, you know, pass within weeks or days. How, how are you feeling? Do you feel any blah? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, I, so I think I'm in the, the neutral zone right now, um, of, of this, this transition. And I think this neutral zone, that's, I think this is the longest zone, right? Um, so and I think there, I, obviously we still have the ending of the, the closure of the, the celebrations and, and the gatherings. But but right now, yes, I'm not in this huge like anguish and angst and, you know, and I'm actually beginning to look forward to ministry at St. Mark and starting to think about what, what could be and what can we do and who are the people and how can I gather them together and how can we communicate and how can I listen to um, the different people and, and of the parish and, and see what St. Mark needs and how I can um, be a steward and lead them in that. So I'm already beginning to think of that, but I'm oscillating between what was and is still wrestling a little bit with, you know, how, uh, how life was before two weeks ago and, and all my dreams and hopes and wants and, yet knowing my new reality and, and accepting that. And so there's this back and forth and uh, interplay. And I think that's okay, uh, recognizing that one is in that neutral zone. The key, I think, is uh, while in the neutral zone, continue to say to find a way to create the endings and the, to grieve the, the loss of the ending, but also looking forward and finding the good of what will be. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, this is something depending on every, you know, our listener circumstances and what transition or change they may find. The hard part about this whole aspect is that every person individually is going to go through these different stages at different times. Um, so if you're in a family and you experience something together, whether it's, you know, devastating news of a loved one's health um, or loss of somebody or loss of a relationship, you know, you may have some who are in the the endings and the grieving for a lot longer um, and other people can maybe jump into the next zone or maybe in this blah zone, you may have someone who's there, you know, for a while. So yes. being patient with one another and supporting one another in the midst of that. Um, but you alluded to, you know, as you're in that neutral zone, the next one, you know, that we want to get to that new life as Easter people is the new beginnings. Um, so that's really where you've, you've processed 
the experience and the change and you've accepted it, you know, and you're moving forward and you're able to embrace it and to move forward with joy um, and excitement again, you know, yes. okay, I'm a, I'm an innovator. I like to do these things. My mission remains the same. I want to bring people close to God. I have a new flock that I can reach out to. So that joy of an embracing, um, and even for here, you know, as for staff members, I think many, the fear of, ah, the unknown, my job, is it stable? What is it going to look like? What is our new boss going to, you know, be, um, to that beginning of we're in this mission together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that those are the different stages, the ending, the neutral zone and the new beginnings. And you know, the, in the new beginning, I think the, the, the one, the challenge is there if is to, um, when things get difficult in the new beginning, <laughs> in the new place, not to try to escape and run back to what was, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes one thinks, okay, I, I've started this new job and I'm in this new, uh, you know, and it, it, and then a month or two months into it, something goes doesn't go right and you start thinking, well, maybe my old job was better. I wonder if they're still hiring. <laughs> you know, I wonder if I could go back to, no, you can't go back. Okay. <laughs> you must only go forward. Right. So, um, that's the, uh, that's the, the temptation within the new beginning is to, uh, w in that moment when things start to go a little bit awry or difficult, uh, have a little bit of difficulty to kind of try to go back to what was so that the new beginning, we always want to, to, look forward with acceptance of the reality of where we are. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great point because it may not be the same path that we thought, you know, that we, we like to plan as people and, you know, have our, we, even as a parish, we have our strategic plan, but maybe th that will change. You yes. know, we don't know what the vision of our new pastor will be. Um, but to be able to embrace it and go forward with it and, um, you know, let God work. Emily, how's this been for you? Like this announcement? Yeah, I, I think for myself um, and probably for many, shock. <laughs> you promised me. <laughs> hey, I, I don't. I don't I think did. there's any any chance that I'll be moved. I gave myself a one percent chance. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I was shocked too. The, let's just say the presbyterate was shocked as well. So yeah. I mean, we're, we were all shocked together. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that shock and that grieving. Um, you know, especially in my position here, we have so many projects that we work on together. And, um, I just feel like we're, you know, at the beginning of this new initiative with the yes. community and all of these other things. And we're at full force moving forward, even this podcast. And so there are a lot of unknowns of what's going to happen now. Do I keep moving forward? Do things change completely? Um, so I definitely would say I'm in that, you know, that beginning zone of just the dealing, the, sh the grief and not knowing what to expect, maybe even fear, you know, fear yes. for my job and my position. Um, but through it all, you know, I, I am a person of faith. And so I have trust that the Lord will lead me through this and lead our parish. And, um, you know, ultimately I think the Bishop's decision for our situation, you know, is for good. He wants good for the diocese. I don't think he would do anything maliciously. So we believe and trust in him and trust in the work of the Holy spirit working throughout this process. Now, Emily, you are a veteran here. <laughs> so how many years have you worked here? I have been here maybe 16 years. 16 years. So I've only been pastor six years here at St. Joseph. And so you've seen a number of pastors uh, yeah. transition, right? Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it feels like it's a rocky boat sometimes. You know, we were you here during Monsignor Don Fisher? Yes. So you were here during Monsignor Fisher's transition. What was that like? Yeah. So I think for you know for those of us who were here with Monsignor, um, and he was here for such a long time, um, but we knew it was coming. You know, it was a joyful you know retirement, and for him moving on to onto the next phase. So it was sad, but I feel like as staff, we just you know, we just kept on marching. You know, we didn't really have fear. I would say I didn't feel fear at that point in time. Um, but then things kind of got strange. You know, we had placeholder priests who didn't want to make decisions because they knew they were only there for, you know, a time being. And unfortunately our parish has, you know, had some rocky bouts with our pastors and just different things that we faced. Um, so I would say that when you made the announcement that you had an announcement, <laughs> there is definitely the fear and trepidation of, oh, what's going to happen now? What's, what are we facing? Um, so this should be a normal 
a normal move for parishes, but I think because of our history as a parish community, there's probably a little bit added fear to the whole process. Indeed. St. Joseph, this is the first uh, time that a pastor is moving on to another parish. Mm -hmm. And so I just realized that uh, yesterday in reflecting. I was like, wow, okay, yeah, this this is a new challenge. It's a new uh, form of transition. But I think you have experienced these transitions with other pastors and and certainly uh, is a veteran here <laughs> and you know, it doesn't make it maybe just have a little bit more insight, right? Mm-hmm. And what might happen in the movement forward. So that's just, that's just a little bit here. You know, I think we, one, one thing we can do is look at this transition theory in light of kind of scripture. And one of the, the great ways we can kind of look at this is through uh, the story of Moses and kind of in the old Testament, you know, Moses really shows forth kind of this transition theory uh, lived out. So if you remember, uh, Moses uh, was shepherding, you know, this is after he kind of left uh, <laughs> left the, the, the court of Pharaoh. But, you know, Moses was hanging out with his father-in-law, you know, shepherding the, the, the sheep and the flock and all that. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden there was this burning bush, right? <laughs> I'd love to see what that burning bush experience was like, you know. Yeah. I've seen some... Uh, comedic versions of that <laughs> where the burning bush is singing different songs and stuff. Um, but uh, what was that burning bush like? And, but you know, what we do know is that God was speaking to Moses and that God was asking Moses for a major, major change in his life. Right. And so what, what God asked Moses at that moment was to be a voice for the people of Israel and to challenge Pharaoh, even put his life at risk. It would have been really uh, a difficult, difficult uh, thing to hear by Moses. He would have been in awe of God asking him this, but when he sat back and started thinking and what that would mean for his life, there was definitely an ending, right? Mm -hmm. And his life as part of... uh, as this uh, kind of nomadic uh, shepherding tribe, uh, that was about to end. And so then, of course, we know that uh, he entered a neutral zone. And so one of the things he said in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, but suppose they will not believe me nor listen to my plea, Moses objects to God's plan. If you please, Lord, send someone else. Echoing Moses' sentiments, we too may reject transitions (laughs) just like that. I, I think uh, I've been in that place many times in the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks, Emily. And so um, where we try to make excuses and say, but what about this? What about, what about all the amazing stuff that Emily and I had planned for the parish? You know, <laughs> we're about to be an example for the nation as we went out. And um, at least in our thoughts, we had that <laughs> idea. We're going to write a book and everything. Emily can still write the book. Um, but anyway, so we we begin to try to object and you know i think bishop in all his wisdom didn't give me a chance to object he just said you're going so uh any that was um you know that was moses entering kind of that blah like that reality uh, of coming back to god saying are you sure about this like i i have a hard time speaking and but your your brother aaron can speak for you no worries you know so if you don't know, Moses had a, a stuttering problem. So, so then he had the new beginning, and that was where he went into. Um, he embraced his call, his mission uh, to to leave Jethro and his family and his old lifestyle, and then to to be a leader to uh, confront Pharaoh, to be the voice, the prophet of God, and to, to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. You know, um, I think this is a great example showing you know within Scripture this you know, this person experiencing the same things that we do with as we change. And um, actually, as you were talking, it just made me think about one of your homilies recently with Pentecost and how even that would be a great example about, you know, the ending of the disciples and their beloved leader, um, you know, was crucified yes. and the fear and that way, that wasn't what we thought was supposed to happen. And then, um, you know, that, in, that feeling of inaction of, I think you were saying, you know, Peter wanted to return to fishing and not really doing what they were supposed to do. And then, um, of course with Pentecost and the Holy spirit animating <laughs> them. So I think it's so neat that there's just so many different places in scripture that we can really, um, see that this isn't something that 
it just happens to us, but it is universal. And there's some key themes in there that I think are really important for people to focus on. You know, Emily, I just, when you were just saying that with St. Peter, he, he is such a good example of this too, right? I mean, he, he was at that moment at the cross, he couldn't face the crucifixion and he kind of scattered right and and he just couldn't handle that uh mary magdalene was there and, and the beloved disciple and mary but but then the new reality of the resurrection and the new reality after three years of kind of hanging out with jesus and following jesus's total lead and and all of a sudden he's getting these little appearances of jesus here and there and he didn't know what what to do next right he had an ending of his former way of uh, really being concretely close to Christ. And then, and so he said, let's go fishing because, <laughs> uh, you know, what else am I supposed to do? That was him entering the neutral zone. Right. Mm -hmm. And then of course, Pentecost and was his, um, uh, his new beginning. Yeah. And so I think, you know, for people who are struggling with their own transition and trying to handle it, the, th the key themes throughout scripture that we can hold on to and, and use as examples for how do we get through this experience? Um, I would say include prayer so that communicating to God, even if it's your anger, you know, you're, you're upset. It doesn't have to be, you could be questioning, um, talk to him. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear what's on your heart. You know, Emily, you don't even have to talk. <laughs> you can just weep and yeah. cry like I did the other night. So, I mean, that's, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, just hold on to, there's like the, the, the crosses that you can kind of hold on to and, mm -hmm. but you can talk to and, you know, whatever is fitting, you know, but I think that's uh, in with endings and grieving. I mean that you, we have to be in tune with our emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the, so, and I say that Emily, because I, I think our, we sometimes think that our prayer needs to be flowery and be a certain way and, and all this, but no, it's just got to be real. Mm -hmm. You know, that I think, you know, when you said that, it just makes me think about, um, I know some of the youth that I used to work with would like to go to adoration, but maybe they didn't have the words. They didn't know how to communicate, but they would actually, there was one in particular who brought a journal and she would draw and she would just sit in front of the blessed sacrament and draw whatever came to her heart. Oh, wow. So yeah, God knows in the silence of our hearts what we're feeling. So being there present to him. Um, a big piece of it is trust. You know, I think in order for us to be able to move forward through the darkness and out is we have to have trust in the Lord. And I think this is probably going to be one of the things that's hardest to people just because of our human nature and depending on our human relationships, if we don't have good experiences of people, um, you know, following through with what they say, how do we do that with God? Yes. Uh, that's a, that's a big one. I don't know if you have, you know, any, tips for how people can trust. <laughs> well, I think, I think the, the key there is, um, is to know that God is the ultimate organizer and he's the one that ultimately is, knows our, our welfare and our good. Scripture has plenty of verses on trust. You could Google, you know, trust and, and scripture verses, and you'll find all sorts of different scripture verses that you can meditate on and think about. But ultimately, and Jesus says a lot of about this, right? Mm -hmm. So it's recognizing that, okay, there's a bigger plan than what I can understand. So, and recognizing that even if a decision is from the worldly perspective, a wrong decision, that God can use that for his plan to build up his kingdom, right? So th I think that's the, that's the, the reality is if we think of our life from the perspective of everything is helping us and to help others and help ourselves to one day enter eternal life with, with Jesus. If we look at that, our life from that perspective, then even the, the different turns and twists that we're not expecting actually can have meaning and import that can help us get to that place. You know, so, you know, I think that's a, that is um, how we grow in trust. And I think also another way that we can do that is we can, we can really look and say, okay, how, okay, I'm going to recognize that there's going to be good coming from this and I can attune my eyes to see the good. So if we're looking with a new beginning and looking towards that, once we get past the neutral zone, we start looking towards the new beginning, start entering, we can start saying, okay, God, show me the good here. And when we see the good, we can recognize, oh, this is how 
um, this is why God is is making this happen. Like I had a recent conversation where I was talking to someone and and he was saying that uh, he had a special healing and the healing uh, happened on a particular date and uh, that particular date was a very a, a date of a, a, a particular saint and that saint uh, was the parish that he was going to mm. and how and and I recognize immediately like okay you're called to this this new parish. This is clear. Like God has a great mission for you there because you receive this miraculous healing on the saints' feast day, right? So I think that's um, you know recognizing that there is uh, that good is going to come from our yes, seeing that, celebrating that, that can help bolster our ability to trust that the that the Lord is in control, that he is going to bring good out of this little twist or turn in life. Mm-hmm. And then I would say like the last theme that I see that I think is very consistent is the importance of community, especially as you go through these different transitions. And, you know, you talked initially about the story of Moses. And one of the things in that story that I thought is really interesting, you know, as you read through Exodus, is there is a time when they come and they have the battle with Amalek, I guess I don't know how to say that mm-hmm. exactly, but that is where I think everyone has heard the story where Moses, whenever he raises his hands and raises his staff, the Israelites are winning the battle. But as he gets tired and his hands start to go down, they start losing. And so in the midst of that, he is supported by his community. He has his brother, Aaron, um, and her, her, I don't know how to pronounce that. Her. Her, her <laughs> um, Go next to him and help to support his hands so that he may keep them lifted up and they are able to win the battle. So he needs them in order to be able to support the, the larger community of the Israelites. And I think for all of us, any of us who have dealt with a change, how important it is to have people who are surrounding us, who are able to uplift us, to cry with us, to, to plan with us, enjoy, um, Community is so very important to be able to get through that transition. And most of the time, the community is our family, right? Mm-hmm. The people that we are at home with. And, and, and I think that's where we just need to be vulnerable with our family members and say, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm feeling. And, 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 and we pray with each other and help each other move to that next uh, zone, right? And then, uh, and pray and, and, and help each other be able to see the new beginning, the possibilities of the new beginning. Uh, recognizing that the, the sorrow is there, but seeing that the, the new beginning will come and there will be new light. And I think I think that's uh, very important. Uh, yeah, we need that community. And if we don't, if we're not able to really fully get that at home, I think everyone also needs people outside their home, mm-hmm. right? So one of the big things that uh, Emily and I have long thought about is the importance of small faith communities that people can have these communities they can open up to and, and talk and share about. Uh, one of the things that the Acts ministry does here at St. Joseph is that they, they really focus on um, saying, hey, we, we can be united and support uh, for each other as a strong brotherhood or a strong sisterhood, right? Um, and I think that's very important to be able to have people even outside of our nuclear families to be able to go to, to be able to to just vulnerably express what, who we are and what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending again on the situation, as we mentioned, there's so many different types of changes. Community, you know, part of it is the conversations and part of it even is action-based. So, you know, someone's sick, you know, let's create a meal train and let's yes. sign up and bring them food. Or um, I, we have a friend who recently moved. She had friends who went over to her old house and helped her pack up her house, you know, and then unpack in the new one. So just actually physically helping them in the true change and transition. You know, I was just thinking, when you're just saying that, Emily, you know, we did a session on love language, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, someone's love language might be, okay, I'll, I'm going to be here listening to you and I'll give you words and of affirmation and support. But another love language might be, okay, I want to provide a gift. I want to, um, you know, maybe we can, I can give you this or that or this little object that represents something. But another person's love language is really action, right? So they, they're tuned to, I need to do something for you. I want to do something for you. And uh, to allow that person to do something. You know, on this transition, I've had a number of people ask me, can I help you in some way uh, with the move? And uh, definitely, you know, here probably at the end of this weekend, I'll start uh, saying, 
start organizing and say, okay, yeah, come help, help me with this, help me with that. Can, and, and, and so that we can do this together as a community and, and make the move over to, to St. Mark. But no, I think that's a uh, very important. You know, and so apart from those themes uh, you mentioned earlier, I think just for anyone who's struggling with change, looking into scripture, there's so many different quotes that can really be a source of, um, of support and comfort during this time. So one of the ones that, and I guess it all depends on your situation. And I, and I keep repeating that because it could be something happy, a happy change, but it can also be something hard. But I think knowing the constancy of, of the Lord through the midst of this, and you talked about it in the aspect of trusting in him, but in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, you know, the quote is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even though mm. things change, the Lord does not. Yes. And his, his relationship with us does not, right? Mm -hmm. So our identity is in Jesus Christ, and he loves us so deeply. And even in our sin, our, you know, I, one of my favorite verses is uh, God proves his love for us that while we are still sinners, he sent his son to die for us, right? So even in our sin, um, you know, the Lord's love for us is constant. Mm -hmm. I think another one that, um, that many have heard, even if not through scripture, maybe through song, is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is an appointed time for everything and a time for every affair under the heavens. Who, who sang that song? <laughs> is it the birds? Or the I don't birds. Know. I grew up, my parents, listen, I remember growing up. Can you sing that for us? <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> sing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I think you can. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to try this time. But <laughs> But anyway, yes, that is, uh, is it the birds or the, the bees? <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I don't know. So um, let's go on to the next verse. Uh, <laughs> Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Philippians 4, verse 6. So I think, you know, if you think about what causes anxiety, it's because we're, we're worried about the future, right? We're wondering if the future is going to be kind of some sort of threat to us. And so that's, I think, something that we, as we go and we say, okay, no, why am I feeling this anxiety? I think it's important to feel the anxiety. We don't want to run away from the anxiety, but we feel the anxiety and then we say, why am I feeling this anxiety? Okay, it's because I'm afraid of some future event, but God is in control. Mm -hmm. And so that can be a very helpful way to kind of deal with that that anxiousness that can kind of creep up. Right. And then the last one that I have here um, is from Isaiah 43 verse 19. It says, see, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And the wilderness I make a way and the wastelands rivers. And, and this actual quote, I don't have the second one, but it makes me think of, there's this scene from um, the passion of Christ when uh, Jesus is walking and he falls and his mother runs up to him and it, you're, I know I'm crying at that point. And he says, see, I make all things no new. Yes. So that to me is something that even in the midst, he's there and he's renewing it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an image of hope, right? Mm -hmm. Like with the Lord, all things are possible. You know, I think there's that, that's from Philippians. Yeah. Through uh, Christ Jesus, I can do all things. Right. And hope, that's a, such a big piece of, you know, what you said, but I think that goes hand in hand with the themes that we see in scripture from prayer and trust and community is having that hope. Indeed. So, you know, Emily, I, I'd like to hear like a, a little bit about this because, you know, we're not the only parish going through transitions. In the Diocese of Dallas, we have 41 priests that are moving, right? And uh, and I know if someone's listening from outside of of the Diocese of Dallas, you know, there's, there's priests that are moving. We all experience that in, in, in our lifetime. What, what can a parishioner do as they begin to move through this process uh, of ending neutral zone, new beginning? What can a parishioner do as specifically to be able to let go of the, the previous pastor and then to receive the new pastor? Mm, great question. So I guess it all depends on the person and the relationship that they had. Um, but let's say we're just talking about 
regular regular Joe regular in Joe. the pew who's, yeah, in the who's pew. active and but yeah yeah so I would say you know I think the similar same to what we're saying I think is prayer um, whether you personally feel like you would be affected maybe some people feel like they don't they just you know they come to mass they hear the homily um, but I would definitely say join your fellow Catholics in lifting up our priest in prayer as they make this transition um, that they can continue to say yes to the Lord and do and go where he's calling them. I think that is needed. Um, but I would say pray for your church staff and leadership because ultimately we should all have the same mission and mm-hmm. vision. We want to bring people closer to the Lord. Yes. But we are human beings. <laughs> and so we all need prayer um, during this time that we can stay focused on the goal of bringing people close to Christ and not let politics or anything else get in the mix of it, but just pray that in the movements, the Holy Spirit is working and active. I think prayer is huge. And then the community aspect, you know, most churches will do some sort of not only a farewell, um, but that's a, that's a time that if they go to go and speak to the priest, to offer him some sort of affirmation, to uplift him in his mission. Um, Cause it's such a huge sacrifice that you and others make to give your life to the Lord. So I think affirming that the work that they did here at this parish was good and it impacted your life. If you have a story um, of something that they said or that was really meaningful you to you, I would say share it. You know, let's send the priest forth knowing that his sacrifices are making a difference. And then on the flip side, welcoming of the new priest that's coming in. I'm sure that there's fear and trepidation or the unknown for them. Um, welcoming them to the community, letting them know that this is a place where we walk together and journey for faith. Um, and just give them, <laughs> don't don't come with your agenda, but just come and welcome them. I think that is something that could be really beneficial. Very cool. Very good. You know, one of the things I, I also think um, that... Uh, it's important for for people parishioners to go through this uh, and the the pastor it, really be attentive to this transition, right? And be, the reason is because uh, because there is going to be a new beginning, <laughs> one way or the other. And if we're clinging to the old, it just creates disruption, right? So as pastor, if I'm clinging to the the old, it means that I'm trying to hold on to being pastor of St. Joseph when I'm no longer pastor and someone else is and I'm interfering, right? Or if a parishioner is clinging to the old and and haven't gone through this this process, then they're clinging to my visions or the previous pastor's visions and they're not allowing for the the new pastor's vision to to take root, right? So so I think that is that is very important part of this process as well. I love how you said to pray for the staff. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, this is very challenging for the staff. So yeah, definitely pray for the staff. Right. I don't know, Father Jason, any, anything else? Um, I guess the only other thing that I'm thinking of is, you know, I think that for some people in the midst of the transition, it's a time where they want to come forth and maybe speak, ah, this is my idea. This is something that needs to happen. Um, but as always, I think at any point in time as a parish, we want to hear from our our community what their needs are. Um, but we don't just want people to demand things. You know, if, if something, there's a change that you want to happen, as always, we say, get involved, be a part yes. of the change. Absolutely. And have patience. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and have patience, especially with the new pastor, mm-hmm. right? Because the new pastor, I think that's the one of the things is the, the new parish the parish to re- receive the new pastor is to be able to say, okay, um, this, this man of God is trying to learn this whole new setup, right? Uh, they, they say, if you move it, it, like one, one change is discombobulating for a person and a, a move is one change. A new job is a new is a is a change. New re, a, a new family or new relationships is a big change, right? So if you think of a, a, a priest moving or a pastor moving, he moves house, he moves job, and he moves relationships, right? He he is in total change, right? The only thing that's constant is his, his old friends and his connection in, in prayer life with our Lord Jesus, and so recognize within the the pastor within the priest that there is uh that you that he needs time 
to be able to understand what's going on. Some people think, you know, immediately as the, the pastor priest is going to come, I'm going to go and ask him to, to do the thing that I've always wanted to have happen and that the old pastor said no to. <laughs> and that's really unfair. And it's really hard. Uh, it's unfair for the community. It's also very hard on the, on the new pastor because he doesn't know. He's trying to figure everything out. So I think that's uh, a very a key advice is to, to have patience, right? So patience with the new. You're right. And for, for those of you who do listen regularly to this podcast, you know, our hope and intention is that it will continue even with our fearless leader leaving us who has all of the great stories and scandalous <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> I don't know if they're scandalous. Just crazy kid, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, I, it is it is it is sad and you know, we are not sure what is it is going to look like. It will not be the same without him. Um, but our hope and our mission for this podcast has always been the same, that we want to be able to share practical ways that those who are listening can really strengthen the domestic church. And so that will continue. Um, so as we move into the future, I ask the same, have patience with me. And if you have suggestions for topics or speakers, please let me know. Um, and we hope and pray that this will be a mission that can continue from the parish community for all of you. And I just got to say, I mean, Emily, I have no doubt that uh, this will continue under your leadership. Uh, you are a masterful uh, podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> your ability to come up with ideas, concepts, and, and expound upon them and then speak about them. And you you really make this, uh, yeah, I come up with the crazy stories and stuff, but you, you really make <laughs> the continuity, make this move forward, and, and you have a, a great gift in this. So I, I really do think uh, and pray that uh, this continues to be something that feeds our people. Uh, whether it's uh, St. Joseph or St. Mark. Right. Thank you so much, Father Jason. Well, should we have some uh, tools that we provide, or what do you think? Yeah. Since we've done it with every single time, we should provide some tools. Yeah. So these tools, I guess they're, you know, a little vague because every situation may be a little bit different, but I would say tool number one in any transition and change is to pray. And I think that's going to be a tool that's repeated often for whatever the situation, but take that time to pray, whether you speak words or they're in the silence of your heart, um, take time to be with God. Absolutely. You got to pray just to make it today. (laughs) (laughs) You got to pray, pray, got to pray, pray. Okay. I got to sing something. Okay. Um, and then number two, uh, yeah, offer up the fear of the unknown. Enter into that fear and that anxiety, that worry. You know, that's a, a very, that's not just a spiritual thing, but that's actually a very good uh, therapist or, or psychological activity is whenever we run away from what we're afraid of, the fear strengthens. So it's a matter of uh, entering into that. Um, uh, even though it's it's kind of not fun and it's giving us kind of bad feelings, to enter into that, offer that to that moment uh, to the cross and to Jesus so that it can have some sort of redeeming action. And by offering that up, we can actually offer it for someone or, or for an event or for a parish and, and uh, offering that fear to Jesus, that unknown to Jesus. Great. I would say tool number three is cling to community. Um, Don't feel like any change you have to do alone. Um, Reach out to your family, your loved ones and, let them walk with you in the midst of the change. And I'm going to do tool number 3.5. <laughs> Allow the saints and the, the the figures of the Bible to accompany you in the change, right? So, uh, you know, pick your favorite saint, whether it's uh, St. Peter or St. Mary Magdalene or, or even Moses, and allow, uh, you know, read their story. And as you're going through that transition, uh, allow their transition and their stories and how their hope and, and how they live the call of God to move forward into the new, uh, bring life, right? And if need be too, we can also accompany Jesus in his greatest moment of transition, <laughs> you know, when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and then went through his passion and then experienced the resurrection and entered into his glory. Right. And I would say the last one that I would have um, is hoping in the future. And I think in our very first podcast on transition, we talked about just seeing things from a different perspective of looking at for the gratitude and the blessing. So I think that it would be very helpful to be able to look at the situation, to find hope in it, to try to find the blessing, even in the midst of the fear, what are positive things that that can come out of it? And the fifth one is 
have trust in God. Remember that Ecclesiastes uh, song, in every season, turn, turn, turn. You know, so anyway, uh, yeah, trust in God and, and turn to different scripture verses. We've offered a few scripture verses that can provide uh, help during, um, it, help to trust in God. So you could take those scripture verses and put them in your, your Bible or put them ev- even your bathroom on your mirror and just repeat them over and over again as a source of strength. Wonderful. Well, you know, I think one of the things we can do right now as we finish this podcast is a litany of trust. How does that sound, Emily? Sounds great. Okay. Uh, do you have this litany of trust in front of you? I didn't. I do not. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to have to kind of do this together. So this litany of trust, uh, you actually gave it to, to me, and I, I found it really beautiful and powerful. Can you explain a little bit about what it is? Right. So um, there is this litany of trust that it seems to have been one that with our staff, you know, it comes up a lot at very different times, Um, but it's by the Sisters of Life. And if you just Google Sisters of Life litany of trust, you'll find it. Um, And it's, it's beautiful. It is something that you can really turn to that will help you in the midst. I don't have the actual um, explanation of it here, but I would definitely say for those of you who are going through any change um, to look it up and it could be a part of your prayer life. So Emily, do you want to do the first part or the second part? I'll do the second part. Okay. So this will be our prayer. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. From the belief that I have to earn your love. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable. Deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute. Deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises. Deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you. Deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will. Deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future. Deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past. Deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment. Deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have. Deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands. Deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement. Deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan, that you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. That you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. And I pray God's blessing to be upon each and every one of you who have listened to this session and all the other sessions. Name the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Peace be with you.